Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me as friend of the show and Rockets expert, Salman Ali from Red Nation Hoops. Happy New Year, Salman. Great to see you again. Happy New Year, Robert. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation because there's a lot to talk about with the Rockets. And I, I got to start off with Jalen Green. Do you believe the last three games from Jalen Green are something? 25 points, 53% shooting from three. Maybe because I'm the Jalen Green skeptic. <laughs> it seems like among Rockets media, it's hard for me to get excited about big outputs against an beadless Sixers defense and the historically awful Pistons. I think it's something in that I never believed he was as bad of a shooter as he was showing in that rough stretch. Now, do I think he's as good as a shooter as he's showing in this stretch? No, but it's obviously the you know, law of averages. He's averaging out closer to where I think he is as a shooter. I, I think he's, you know, I, I, I've said this before. I do believe in Jalen Green's jump shot. I think he's probably going to be close to a 36 to 37% three-point shooter for his career. And he's headed towards that point. You know, he's like 34 or 35% for right now from three. So he's close to that point now. And I think um, as the season clo- uh, progresses, he will get closer to that point. Now, do I think he's going to be this consistent night to night as he's been these the past three games? Probably not. But I did not uh, expect you know, a third year leap, right? Like I've, I've, I've been pretty consistent in not expecting that this year from Jalen green, but I think he will get better. I still think he, there's a lot of time for him to show real growth uh, this season. What is his ceiling? Do you believe? And has, has your opinion of his ceiling changed? You know, is, is it superstar? Is it all-star? Is it solid starter in the NBA? What is your ceiling? My opinion of, of his uh, ceiling has not changed. It's, it's always been, kind of that Bradley Beal, Zach Levine level all-star type uh, in the NBA. My opinion of his floor, like I, I never really seriously uh, addressed his floor uh, as a player in the NBA. When I think of Jalen Green's floor, it's I've never said it out loud, but it's always been kind of Jordan Clarkson, right? But I, I've never seriously considered, I've never, I didn't, I didn't say it out loud because I never seriously considered the idea that he'd actually, that actually be a possible outcome for him. Like I was closer to believing that, he become that Zach Levine level all star, right? So in that respect, some things have changed, and that I'm more willing to acknowledge like his lower end outcomes. But I still think the higher end outcomes are on the table. I have not wavered on that. Nothing I've seen has uh, made me waver on that. Let's move to Jabari because over his last 19 games, he's shooting 50 percent from the field, 40 percent from three. Do you like how the Rockets are using Jabari? offensively given all that information i think he could he could do for an increase in usage i think he's earned that at this point he's he's you know shooting the ball efficiently enough to warrant more touches but you have to give him the right kind of touches he's still not a great create self creator right he is a improving self creator uh shown much more chops at that this year but i would like to see him more intentionally used versus someone like Alper and Shangun. Like Alper and Shangun should be given more leeway because he is so gifted. Jabari, you need to kind of put him in more spot situations. So I, I, I in that sense, like I, I'm, I'd willing to, I'm, I'm willing to see him more in the post and kind of sh- have the ability to shoot over guys, step back from that area. Like he loves going to that, that spot on the floor. I think it's, I think it's warranted to give him more looks there, more trailing, 
threes, you know, but I, I'm, I'm honestly um, not, you know, disappointed, overly disappointed in how the Rockets have used him because the Rockets have such a gifted option at the center position in Alperin Shangun that it's hard to really, you know, and you have Fred Van Vliet manning your backcourt. It's hard to really feed mouths after that, right? I understand uh, how tough it can get after your first two options. Yeah, it's interesting because they, they choose a lot of times instead of posting up Jabari, you know, we've seen them go to Dylan Brooks in the post, which has been effective, Jeff Green in the post, which has been effective. However, you know, it, it feels like a little bit, Salman, it's at the expense of getting a young guy like Jabari, who you want to see develop more touches. How do you feel about that? Well, those are different looks, right? Like Jeff Green and um, and Dylan Brooks get deep post looks because they're very strong as players, right? And Jabari is not going to do that, right? He's going to get mid-post looks. He's going to get looks in the post that warrant him shooting mid-range jumpers, whereas that's never really something... I mean, Dylan Brooks takes the occasional mid-range jumper, but he's really trying to get to the basket, be a wrecking ball, get fouled. With Jabari, you know, he does. He has a, a knack for a drawing fouls, but really he's trying to shoot that mid-range J. So I think it's fine that he's not getting a lot of those looks, but I think mid-post looks, I would like to see more of those. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been dying to see a lot more of those, especially when Shane Goon goes to the bench. I would like to see it be a more Jabari-centric offense. And, you know, Jalen, if, if he can keep this up, obviously you want to see him when Shane Goon goes to the bench, and we'll see how that works out. I, I don't have many Udoka complaints. I, I don't imagine you do either, but my, my one biggie is, hey, I understand why coaches trust vets over rookies. But <laughs> is it Jock Landau? Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Um, I just don't get playing terrible vets over rookies with maybe superstar ceilings. And I, and you know where I'm going with this. Jock Landale, he's been awful. Defense, rebounding, shooting, you name it. Reggie Bullock brings nothing outside of an occasional wide open three. Neither shown the defense. Udoka, you know, supposedly worships. So I, I'm trying to figure it out. Do you understand Cam Whitmore? and why he's only had one game with meaningful rotation minutes, especially since his occasional five or ten minutes can't be worse, cannot be worse than Landell or Reggie Bullock. And, yeah, I get it. Uh, Landell is a center, but I'm just one of those guys. I don't care what position that you play. If you're playing it bad, it doesn't matter. I'd rather go small than play a center because he's a center. I understand this, this, uh, the frustration, right? But, like, here's, here's my thing with Cam. It's like, I don't understand what the rush is. Like I like before the season, the expectation should have been given how packed the rotation was, this guy wasn't going to see time. Right? Like we should have had our expectations properly calibrated in that sense. Like Jay Sean Tate, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, Alperin Shingu, that's a pack Dylan Brooks, that's a packed front court. Yeah, like, I, I, I I get that. I understand. Like yeah. I wasn't one of those, trust me, trust me mm-hmm. on this. I was not one of those that said you know, you throw Cam Whitmore into the fire from game one. I, I'm of the belief, you know, let rookies simmer, you know, send him to the G League, let him get used to stuff, let him see what's going on. I, I you know, I've been watching the NBA for 40 plus years. So I, I understand all of that. I give all that. It's just when you're at the point where you're, you're playing Landell and Reggie Bullock and they're just flat out awful and Cam Whitmore, and I get it, he's going to go out there and he's going to make mistakes, but you know, there, to me, there, there's like a there's a deal whether if you're going to make mistakes, you know, rotation wise. OK, yeah, I get it. But he also is going to make some great plays for you 
whereas Jock Landell and Reggie Bullock aren't going to make great plays for you. It's like that. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, Tari Eason, I'll give you an example. And I'm, again, I'm not asking for Cam Whitmore for 25 minutes a game. The five or 10 that the Jack Landell or Reggie Bullock get, I just don't understand. And I don't understand why you can, why you just don't want to see him play. But I'll give you an example like Tari Eason. We see Tari Eason make, you know, stupid mistakes all the time, right? Tari Eason, you know, he throws the ball where he should and he's very tunnel vision. You know, he screws some stuff up occasionally. But Tari Eason, for every one or two things that he does bad, he does five or seven or eight things great. And I, I just see like Cam Whitmore can be one of those guys where he's going to make that great and let him get those mistakes in in five or ten. And and guess what, Salmon, you can always pull him if he's terrible for five or ten minutes. You won't put Reggie Bullock and Jock Lando back in the game. I guess put them back in the game if Cam Whitmore is so darn bad. But at this point, those guys are just not giving you anything. And at least Cam Whitmore, there's the potential of giving you something. Well, here's what I'll say. Uh, the Reggie Bullock thing, like, listen, he's played 113 total minutes. It's really not that big of a deal with him. But the Lawndale thing, I'm kind of with you. But I would, I would, you know, twist it a little bit. I would say I'd like to see more of Jabari at center, actually, versus someone like Cam. Like, I think I'd, I'd like to see, instead of having um, Lawndale out there for those 10 or so minutes a game, I'd rather see... You know, Jabari kind of experiment there at that backup center spot and play more Tari at the four, Tate at oh, the three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the thing is, though, they're, they're not playing Landell every single game. It's been Jeff Green that's playing the backup minutes. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, it, it has been pretty much Jabari as the backup center for most. And, and, you know, I was the guy in the offseason. I think I told you this a few months ago. I said, I want to see Jabari at center. And, you know, I would like to see a Jabari Tari and Shangoon rotation in the top and, and that threesome right there. But now with the injuries and all that sort of stuff, and then Tari's got this minutes restriction based on his injury and stuff like that, there, there's that issue. So, yeah, for me, that would be the case. But when all these guys start getting injured, and you, and he still managed, there are nights where he still had to put Landell out there where I just like, because you needed minutes from somebody, and, you know, setting a screen which is the reason why he was supposedly at the in the game at the end of the game the other night, you know that to me that's just a joke. I mean, you can set a screen with Jeff Green and and, and in a situation like that, but if what he does well for you, if all he does is set a screen, so what? If he can't step out, pop the three, if he's terrible on the roll, if he's not getting you the rebound, whatever. And it's just I I'm not asking for 20 minutes again, Solomon. Just give me five or ten of Cam, and if he sucks, take him out. But get get his feet wet a little bit because the other part about this is his ceiling is so high. What happens if he's good as rookie year? We're we're seeing players that can be good their rookie years and contribute. What if he can give you something? This is a team that desperately needs bench points, and he could give you that. Yeah, listen, I'm with you on the Lawndale thing. Like Lawndale, I I agree, should not be playing as much as he has, right? Or like even the spot minutes, I I don't think he's really earned. But in terms of like how the Rockets go about using him. I think the real criticism or like the nights where the Rockets are seriously injured, that's when Cam's not playing in those games. That's where I'm with you, right? If you're talking about night to night, I kind of think it's the rotation's too packed. But like where when the Rockets have like three guys out with injury in that front court and Cam's like not in not at not even getting not even getting a look there, you know, like that's when when Bullock's coming in or when um when other guys are coming in that haven't played all year, like I think you should throw in Cam. 
But if we're talking about, you know, email criticisms, that's like what? Nothing. I mean, it, it, it's it's such a minor gripe with like how he's managed his rotation. That's why I can't find myself getting as energized by it, by that that animated by it. Like I, I normally like stuff like like this does animate me, but like when when it's just like the thirteenth guy on the roster, which kind of is what Cam is when the rotation's healthy. I'm not too upset about it. Like I like I get it. Like I like Londale shouldn't be playing, right? But I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than it's really not that big of a deal to me. Because I he, he, again, he's in his rookie season, and the Rockets will have plenty of opportunities to find him minutes as that contract moves moves forward. And I'm I'm I guarantee you, as the trade light deadline approaches, not all these guys are going to st- remain here, and opportunities will open up then too. I'm I'm looking at a guy like Jay, like Jay Sean Tate. Like, I don't know if he's going to be here past the trade deadline. You know, like, yeah. I, I know the Rockets really like him, and I, I know the Rockets want to keep him. But, like, if something intriguing opens up, especially if you're talking about a deal that involves Victor Oladipo's contract that you can aggregate with Jay Shantae that's super intriguing for the Rockets, that might be a way to get, open up minutes for Cam, right? And that's when Cam can sneak back into the rotation. So I would just give this a little bit of time. If he doesn't play that much his rookie year, I don't think it's that big of a deal as long as he's playing somewhere and he has been playing somewhere. Yeah. I, I guess I look at this as like, you know, you're also looking ahead as much as you're looking to try to do something this year. And so getting Kim going quicker, and this is not a Jalen Green or Jabari situation, like from the last couple of years where you're just saying, Hey, let's go play 30 minutes. I'm talking about him playing 15 or 20 minutes and getting him going faster and his trajectory going faster because as you know Salman this is also about team building and if you can get a guy playing at close to his potential before he hits that second contract it shows you what he's ability what his ability is so you you know what to you know maybe look to sign him for but it also gives you that option of hey we can maybe go after something if we got cam going along with Jalen going, along with Shangoon going in the next couple of years, we can go out and we can aim for that big piece because there maybe we do have a chance to make a run this year because, you know, we've got these guys that are young and playing above their contracts and, and giving you a lot more than you would expect. But if he's doing it in the G League versus if he's doing it at 10 to 15 minutes per game, do you think other NBA GMs aren't noticing that? Right? Like, I, I, I understand what you're saying and that you're, you're right. If Cam is rolling in the NBA, it's definitely an eyebrow raiser, and it definitely helps you cultivate packages better. No, right? no, I, I'm not talking. You're talking about trading Cam. I'm saying, you know, what if Cam? All you know, if you can get him in two years, being at, you know, either a an incredible bench player or a legit starting score go to guy. I mean, this guy. I mean, like, man, I'm sh- like, I I was not the biggest Cam fan coming into the draft, but just how physically, like just seeing him against NBA athletes physically, what he can do and what he, what we've seen from him already and the confidence that he has as a 19-year-old. As a like we got to remember this guy is super duper young. As a 19-year-old, what he's able to do physically against big time NBA guys, when you see him out there against those particular players, I mean, I'm talking about, hey, that means you've got a really cheap, really great player on your roster and you can go take a couple of other guys that you've got and some draft picks 
and like, hey, let's go for this. Like, let's go for this. We got Cam, we've got Shangoon, we've got Jabari, and we package some other guys maybe, or whatever you want to do. It, 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 it gives you that option because all of a sudden, it, it, you know what's going to matter going forward is team building with this new CBA and the, and, the, and the new way they've built this thing is like having young, cheap guys matters a ton. Go for what though? Right, like, 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 this is always my question when I when I hear people wanting to press fast forward on a rebuild. Like, when you say go for it, what do you mean specifically? I'm so, I'm talking about hey, let's make a deep playoff run. You know, At, with this not, core right not, now. Not, not no no. I'm saying if you get Cam up to speed, the longer it takes you to develop him. I'm saying what if you move fastly with Cam and by year three. You're like, oh my God. Or in year two, you're like, oh my God, maybe we really got something here. And you can go out and get somebody else. And you've got a really cheap, like great player on your roster and Cam Whitmore. It's going to make a big difference as to, you know, how you feel about, you know, actually making sort of a run. You go out and get a veteran guy with Shangoon that's already looking like, you know, an all star right now. And, you know, what you're seeing from some of these other guys and how they're developed, Tari and Jabari and stuff like that, you, you, you just never know. And, and we think, you know, everybody is this under this assumption that this is like, oh, we got to look five years down the road. You can't look two years down the road in the NBA right now. It's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works. And you're not going to, and, and if these guys hit like you hope that they're going to hit, you're going to have to start paying them in two or three years. And and you're not going to have that option of going after that big guy that you can put next to these guys at a more expensive cost, maybe for a couple of years. And and while you've got these young guys on on the cheap. Yeah, but Robert, what you're describing is often how teams make mistakes by pressing fast forward too quickly, right? Like you like if you look at a team like the Cavaliers, you're talking about a team that is legitimately very scared about the prospect of Donovan Mitchell walking out on them, right? And they would not have ha- have been in that position had they not just made had they just waited and not made that kind of a trade. Their biggest problem isn't the fact that it's Donovan Mitchell and they pe- press fast forward. They press fast forward on a really, really small backcourt. Mobley hasn't developed offensively at all. Jared Allen and Mobley are basically getting in each other's way instead of you know helping each other the way you would hope that they would be in Cleveland. And Donovan Mitchell, the other problem is if you're you're stuck with that. You're not stuck with Donovan Mitchell. The problem with Donovan Mitchell is they, those guys can still develop. They can still get better. The problem is Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to stay in Cleveland and he's probably going to walk in a couple of years. That's, and that's probably their biggest problem because, you know, give them more than a couple of years to develop and maybe there is something there, but they're, it's also about, you know, how that fit went with Cleveland and how they looked at the fit. And I think that's a problem and having two small guards is an issue. It's a, it's a big issue. Yeah, but you said Mobley like hasn't had the chance, hasn't developed well offensively. Well, he's a third-year player, right? Like, like is he? Is it possible if the if the Cavs had waited another year or two before pressing fast forward, he is the guy that is the centerpiece of a legitimate championship contender? But because the the Cavs press fast forward now, mm-hmm. or excuse me, last year, like they're in this position where they're having to pray that this guy doesn't walk out on them and wasted 
assets in the process when they could have just kept those assets, waited for the right time, and then pressed fast forward. Because here's here's the thing. If you're talking about Cam Whitmore's third season, about him being a contributor to a championship team, I'm on board, right? If you're talking about his first or second no, season, no, him, no. Like, or, or even like, let's just say next year, right? Let's just say next year, the Rockets try and press fast forward. My problem with that is Shangoon's going to be like 22 years old. The best player on the team, theoretically, is going to be 22 years old. I don't think that's good enough. But what if you're trading for that the best player on, on the team? team? That means Shangoon's not going to be on the team then. Not necessarily. Right. Depends. Depends if it's a you know. Depends where that. Well, then you plays. have to trade for a super duper star. Yeah. Right. And and that's like, what you. Like, then it gives right, you like, that option to trade for that super duper star. If Cam, you look at Cam Whitmore in year three, as he's going like, towards year three, and you're like, "Oh my God, this guy's legit!" And we got Shangun. But here's the problem, Robert. Like Cam would be in that deal if you're trading for a super duper star. Cam would be in that deal. Like it's not like like a oh you get to keep Cam as a cheap contract. Cam would probably be one of the asking prices. Could be Jalen. Could be Jabari. Could be a lot of different guys. You know, there's other guys. I mean, if it, if it's a super duper star, Cam is absolutely in that deal. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying, like, like you can't rob these teams, right? Like, you're gonna have to give up something that's gonna hurt, or 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 you play the patience game, which I I'm totally okay with playing the patience game. Like, I like I think that's the prudent way. You don't press fast forward now. You press it two or three years from now, and that's when you can think about. Uh, Cam being a serious contributor on a championship team. And that's why I'm okay with him playing in the G League. I don't think his development is being hampered. As long as he's playing, like my problem with with, with Shingun last year is the guy was like just being hampered from playing. Like straight up playing and in, in his best role. Cam is at least playing somewhere. To me, the G League, he's overqualified. And I just, this is my personal feeling. And, and you disagree with me if you want to. The G League's a waste of time. Those guys, it's not organized basketball. Nobody, there's a, every guy we send down there looks great. Daisha Nix looked like an all-star. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. looked like an all-star. I mean, no matter who, look, it's it's such a big difference between the G League and the Rockets. And and, and I don't think they're really getting anything. And it's, you know, they're not learning the key stuff because this defense just doesn't matter in the G League. And 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 that's where you re- where you really need these guys up to speed is on the defensive end more than anything. I, I you want to disagree with me? Disagree with me. But I mean, look at the development of the guys that have come out of the G League Ignite. It's it's terrible. Those guys come into the NBA so ill prepared because it is the G League. I mean, I'm, I just I don't like it at all. I mean, I just don't think it's a it's a help for them to get in shape. But that's about it for me. But for every player that doesn't work out in the G League, for every Dacia Nix, there's a Robert Covington. For every, you know, guy who doesn't work out in the G League, there's a Fred Van Vliet, right? Like, like the G League has had legitimate success in the NBA at working guys out and, and, and becoming real NBA players. Like I, but it's, I, it's not, it's, you're, you're talking about guys that were not up in the G League that were, they, they weren't guys that were expected to be. Like, if you send down, your your better best players to go down there. It's I don't know really how much development is happening in the G League. I just don't see the development. There are guys that come out of the that you can find in the G League because there's just so much talent out there that sometimes guys get missed. We see guys getting missed all the time. Guys not getting drafted, et cetera, et cetera. We we just, you know, you just see it with Porter up in, in Cleveland this year and what's going on with him. But I mean, just overall, I just don't think the G League is much of a help for for Cam Whitmore's development, except to keep him in shape. That's about it. I mean, Clint Capella is a pretty damn good 
like G League development story, right? Like there, there are a bunch of guys you can just pull from thin air that just, you know, they like they they help. It helps. Like when you, my my thing is you have to be playing somewhere, right? A professional league somewhere, to like because otherwise your your time is being wasted. And if you're not playing, you're not doing anyone any good, including yourself. So I don't know. Like I, I'm a I'm a believer in the G League. I, I actually think a lot of these guys coming out of the Ignite that have not worked out yet. It's just a matter of when, not if, for a lot of these guys. Uh, like I'm a big, I'm still a big believer in Scoot Henderson, and still, still a believer in uh, in Jalen Green. So you know, like I, I, I get a lot of people's skepticism about the G League, but I, I, I'm just not there at that. I'm yeah, they're going to work out, but they're not going to the, their development. I'm just saying their development was slowed down from that year in the G League. Instead of playing where you're playing team basketball, whether it's in college or another pro league, where you actually have to you know, work on defense, think about stuff in, in a team concept. And I just, anyway, we just disagree on that wholeheartedly. Well, let's see if we disagree on this. Who Who's the Rockets' most valuable player this year so far? And it's an easy answer for me, but I'm wondering if we differ at all. Who's your guy? Alperin Shengun. Yeah, it's, he, he's by far the biggest driver of success for the Rockets this year. It's not even close. I, I don't feel like I have to go into a, a long soliloquy on this. Like, I feel like it's pretty... Cut and dry. I just feel like he's the best player, but I feel like the most valuable player for the Houston Rockets this year. And I, it's funny to me, some people on different social media apps, you know, just kind of take shots at the guy. But I mean, the Rockets would have about six wins this year if it wasn't for Fred Van Vliet. His leadership, his ability to organize the offense, um, his ability to start the key on Shangoon. You know, Shangun has had success because he's working off of what Van Vliet is doing off the pick and roll. You know how important he is because if he goes out of the game for more than three minutes, Udoka nearly has a heart attack and has to throw him back in the game immediately. He leaves the NBA in minutes for a reason. It's because the Rockets are scared to death of taking him out of the game. It, it doesn't fit on a TikTok video too often, but defense matters. And Van Vliet, I know he's undersized, but man, the guy causes steals. He causes havoc. When other guys drive the lane, his help defense, him getting his hand in, in there, him, you know, slowing down a guy that's trying to post him up that's bigger just because he's fighting and fighting and poking the ball away. It's all of that. All these little things matter. And, and the way he gets back on, there's a reason why the Rockets have one of the best fast break defense. I think it is the best fast break defense in the NBA right now. And Fred Van Vliet is 100% a part of that. So to me, He's the MVP. The best player is Shangun. The MVP for the Rockets, the most valuable player, the most important player this year has been Fred Van Vliet. I, I'm not going to like fervently disagree with that because I, if I were to you know rank this, I would say Fred Van Vliet was probably second right on my list. I think it is true uh, to a large extent that uh, Fred Van Vliet came in and kind of viewed this this uh, Rockets roster with a fresh set of eyes, didn't care what guys were drafted, didn't care what guys were getting paid, just kind of gave the ball to the best players. And he recognized who uh, how talented Alperin Shangun was right away. In a lot of ways, he is uh, a big, uh, you know, Van Vliet. Shangun owes a lot of his early season success to Fred Van Vliet, right? Like uh, him popping is a credit to, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Van, Van Vliet, and his chemistry in the pick and roll together. My thing with this is like, Van Vliet's awesome. Don't get me wrong. How many wins would this team have if it, if it wasn't for, if, if Shangun wasn't on the team? Put in center, league average center. Put in a league average center. 
and put in Van Vliet, right? I think he would make the team better. I don't think it's nearly to the level it is right now without Shangun just driving the driving the bus here. Like he he really the Rockets went to him in that third quarter last night with deliberation, right? Like they were very very uh, keyed in on just giving him the ball and letting him do whatever the hell he wants, right? And that helped them expand that lead out to like thirty points, right? And run away with that game. That's been the story all year with Shingun, right? He's been that damn good all year. And these past three or four games, he's starting to flash that face of the franchise potential, right? Like he start like he's starting to like thirty point game regularly, that that kind of stuff, right? And that's kind of why I lean Shingun, uh, and also like. I'm a bias, right? Like I've always been on this train, right? So, um, yeah. but but I I'm not gonna lie. Like I I I I do see the argument for Van Vliet. Like I just as the organizer uh, and the vocal leader for the team. Yeah, and I didn't even mention the fact that Van Vliet just doesn't turn the ball over hardly at all, and that's a big part of why the Rockets have also had a lot of success. Is if you get more possessions than the other team because you're not turning the ball over and more shots. It actually helps you win games, believe it or not. And, you know, and, and like I said, to me, it's about this team is turned around because of its veteran leadership, whether it's Udoka or Van Vliet or Jeff Green. But I think Van Vliet has played a bigger part of that than anybody else because he's on the court more than anybody else. And also because he's the point guard and he's directing traffic out there. And, of course, the fact that late in games, Man, he hit some big shots, big shots late in games, too. We can't forget about some of the stuff that he's done. And like I said, it's, you know, Shangun, don't get me wrong. Like, you could say co-MVP Shangun. I have no problem with that. But I think there's just a overall, there's just an underrated part about Van Vliet that people don't understand. And everybody wants to look at basketball reference or TikTok videos to decide who the best player is. And sometimes you got to look a little bit deeper. Sometimes you got to look at what the guy's intangibles are. And Van Vliet's toughness and leadership, you know, I, I keep going back to leadership. Yeah, but toughness, leadership, um, defense, all of that stuff, it just matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. And there's nights that Shangun's defense has not been good. And even you as a big Shangun fan, you know this. There are nights where he's looked bad. And he said he's looked bad defensively. And, and Udoka has said he's looked bad defensively some nights. There's never a night that Van Vliet shows up and he's not playing really good defense and not giving you everything he's got and showing up on both ends of the court. And, and really, people don't get it, but basketball, 50% of basketball is defense. <laughs> I know it looks offensive sexy, but 50% of basketball is defense. And his defense um, is something that we, I just, you, you, you got to keep talking about because uh, it's, it, it, it's not because he's bigger or stronger or he's blocking shots, but he's just doing all these little things that you don't notice until you start noticing. Him. And I know you notice some and you know what he's doing. Yeah. Van Fleet's good. Like he's really, really good. Like I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and uh, pretend like he hasn't been a big driver in what the Rockets are doing this year. I, I just, I, I tend to favor Shangun by hair just because like I, I, it, it, when in doubt, I'm going to defer to the, who I think the best player on the team is. And I just think he's the best player on the team, but um, I think that's a, that is a fair argument. I mean, I he is um, Van Vliet has been he was the absolute right si- signing for the Rockets this offseason. You know, there was a yes. real debate there about whether or not the Rockets should go after James Harden, and I was 
on the James Harden side of the debate, to, to be frank, up until uh, Harden had those comments in China, I was firmly in the, the the Rockets need to go after James Harden. And then Harden makes those comments and like not only those comments, but just how important Van Vliet has been to this team this year, how much of a clean fit he is to this roster. I, I, you know, in, in retrospect, I was wrong. Like it, it, Van Vliet was absolutely the right guy to, for the Rockets to go chase. 100%, 100%. What's the latest with Red Nation Hoops? Yeah, uh, rednationhoops.com. Obviously, uh, this is the newsletter. You can sign up there. You can find uh, the links to the YouTube channel there, the podcast, uh, you know, wherever you guys listen to, to podcasts, you'll find it all there. Um, you know, the posts, all that stuff, uh, free and paid versions of everything. Fantastic. Great stuff. It's at Salman Ali, NBA. Always a blast having him on the show. Lots of knowledge. We disagree at times, but I always respect his opinion. He's He's got great stuff. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me on, Robert. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.